and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Raider Power Podcast. I'm Ryan, and with me as always is my man Moss and our guy Evan. How are we doing today, fellas? Man, I'm doing great. Evan, how are you doing? Doing good, fellas. Doing good. Well, this week we have a little uh, a special for you guys out there uh, listening to the podcast to the Red Raider Faithful. Uh, we're starting off this week with an interview with one of our favorite players as the Pro Punting Podcast, the punter from the past few years of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, Dominic Panazolo. Let's cut to that, then we'll get into the rest of the podcast. All right. Well, gentlemen, we got a special treat today. We got Mr. Dom Panazolo joining us, one of the greatest Texas Tech punters in recent memory. Uh, Dom, thank you so much for joining us on the Raider Power Podcast. How are you doing today, man? Uh, good, mate. Um, glad I got to finally be on the show all the way from Adelaide. It's nice to talk to you guys. Yeah, good to talk to you too, mate. Yeah, I think we might want to start off just, uh, you know, an Australian punter seems to be something that happens more and more, not only in college football, but in the pros. And maybe uh, just kind of how you found your way all the way over to Lubbock, Texas from Australia. Yeah, it's a funny but long story. I mean, I started off playing Australian rules football, which is kind of that kind of mongrel game of like soccer, rugby, and everyone in America thinks it's rugby, but it's a completely different game. <laughs> with, with the predominant skill of kicking a football. So um, kind of got to that period of my life where if you're 18 and you're not going pro in that sport, it's time to kind of hang up the boots and try something else. So I found, um, found this kicking program in Melbourne, Australia, which is run by Pro Kick Australia, where all these kids are coming out. And I was lucky enough to be accepted in one of those first batches of kids that got over there and a couple of months in I got offered a scholarship from Snow College and I actually didn't they didn't they had never seen me punt or they had never seen any film on me they just kind of took a blind eye and they were like yeah we'll take this kid from Australia never seen seen me punt or anything before and go over and have a some couple good years and then halfway through um my sophomore year I kind of got a call up from Coach Robinson who was the special teams coach at the time at Tech, and they pulled me out on an official visit where Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield played that awesome game on that on that Saturday night and kind of sold me from that, and I committed from there. So That's incredible. Your official visit was that game? Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's insane. Well, they got I to mean, put on the best for the best, so. That's oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of the coaching staff, so obviously you were there with our boy Cliff Kingsbury, I myself, massive fan. Uh, can you give us a little bit on Cliff? What are your thoughts on Cliff? I mean, I'm a big fan of Cliff. I mean, I think anyone a part of that Texas Tech football team is a – you can ask anyone in that in that locker room and they have the highest praise for Cliff. So it was kind of um, different and sad to see people people's opinions when they – I don't think they really knew him as a person or how he was inside that locker room. So – yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to see him get another shot and be able to go up to the NFL. Happy to see two wins in a row from him as well. And uh, only wish him the best of luck. And I'm with you. Uh, I'll defend Cliff to the to the end of me. Yeah, me too. I'm has, with you. has he not given you a call to go punt for the Cardinals? What's going on? Um, I mean, we've had some text messages back and forth during the time. Um, we've kept in touch, but I think my punting days are over and I'm, I'm oh. okay with that. Right. So, so what do you think the next steps are for you then? Um, so I'm moving back to the United States this week. 
and then getting some connects and hopefully working full time, which eventually I might be able to live in the States full time. So where are you headed, Dom, in the US this week? Um, Lubbock, actually. I'm going to head back and see a bunch of the guys and maybe catch this week's game against Iowa State. And That's great, man. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm born and raised Lubbock, Texas. I've been a Tech fan as soon as I could walk, so I'll be the first to say thanks for all you did for the program. Uh, love to see you ball out for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, but I think we had a couple of, of just kind of premeditated questions we wanted to ask you. Uh, we, we're glad to get you on here. So, um, gentlemen, if you guys want to start, I don't think we really have a specific order, but maybe maybe lead us off here, Ryan. Yeah, sure. Um, you talked a little bit about the the locker room, and this is going to be uh, a little bit more on the fun side of questions. But um, last year we heard a rumor about Bowman in the locker room. I don't know if you heard it uh, from the podcast, but people were saying he was packing. Is this true? Um, you know what? I actually couldn't tell you that. Ah, ah. Well, I think that's just a coy answer, and that sounds like a yes to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, as specialists, we're not really known for being freaking like the popular guys on the team. Oh, I, you, I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I know. You get um, some kid from Australia comes over and he's still treated like one of the specialists. So it doesn't wow. matter where you're from. Don't you lie to me, Dom. And, and I'll tell you what, man, this isn't a football related question either. But I'm one of uh, out of the three. Uh, you know, Chris is from Lubbock, but I'm I'm the one that went to Texas Tech. So I got another non-football related question for you. If you don't mind, I'm curious. I want you to give me the top three sororities at Texas Tech University. Sororities? Yes. Yes, sir. Don't, don't you lie to me. I know that you spent some time with some sororities. You know what's funny? I actually didn't. Um, but... I've obviously heard the stereotypes for the for the sororities, like you just stay away from Zetas. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the one rule that I think I learned at Tech. You just gotta you just gotta stay away. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, Dom. So where are you looking to move? Uh, are you trying to stay in Texas, or you you know it's a little different than Australia, I would think. Yeah, it's um it's funny. I'm kind of open to moving to anywhere. I mean. Back here at home, I live five minutes from the beach, and I've always lived near the coastline by the beach, so going to Lubbock, Texas, and getting those flat plains, and kind of nothing, it's kind of different. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, come out to California. Yeah, yeah my, my girlfriend's from California. She's from L.A., so that's, oh, perfect. that's kind of similar. Yeah, I live in uh, Santa Monica right now, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you ever need a friend with a beach house, just call up Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do. I guess uh, to, to pull it to a football-related question, you said you might be able to be in town for this Iowa State game. And, you know, we've seen how good Tech has been at home this year, really protecting the Jones. And I guess yeah. my question would be, how electric really is that atmosphere when you're playing a big home game in front of all those screaming fans? Well, it's funny because I remember my first game going out there on Jones, at Jones Stadium and – you're in the, you're just in the tunnel and especially uh, me coming from especially not a football background or playing in front of that many people you the first time you go out there and you hear that roar and the smoke goes up and the and the horse goes out it's like an unreal feeling you kind of like that you get that flush of emotion something that you've never really felt before it's kind of a mix of adrenaline and and uh, just like happiness just to be out there and just get out there and just 
experience something that you know you're only going to get 12 times every every year you know yeah dom I, I i love you saying that man i can say that growing up probably top top moments being in lubbock texas was going to the jones seeing some incredible games watching our guys battle it out on the field um not to put you on the spot dom but uh, I, I, if I'm a betting man and I am, I'd be willing to bet that you, uh, still follow the team pretty regularly. What do you, you know, it's been a season of ups and downs kind of, what do you see as kind of some keys moving forward? What can we do better? What do we need to improve upon? What do you think we need to do to have a successful second half of the season? Um, well, first of all, I want to say about the, what special teams has done this year has been, they've. I guess they've had like a, a lot of pressure on them. I mean, we had me, Clayton, last year and coming off a national semifinal awards. That's like a big ask for yeah. these freshmen, and especially Trey Wolf. He was a roommate of mine at Tech and him sitting behind Clayton for a year and going through what he has to come out and do super good on, um, on field goals his first year. And, and Austin coming as a true freshman punter from Arizona. He's doing a great job. He's going back to that traditional style, which is which is really weird to see because obviously I was doing all that kind of tricky stuff for a couple of years, so yeah. it's kind of weird to go back to that. But he's killing it, and he's top ten in the nation for for average punt right now as a freshman. So he's got a super bright future at Tech. I mean, uh, Jalen Hutchins has been someone that's really stood out to me on that D line. Um, another roommate of mine. He's freaking killing it in his in his sophomore. I think he's a Richard Richard freshman year, but he's he's doing a great job. And I think this team this year is a bit more well rounded than years in the past. We've obviously seen in years years past how the offense has been crazy explosive, and that's what kind of has carried us through games. And I think it's nice to see a well rounded offense and defense. And it's not we're just probably not known as an offensive air raid team now. We've kind of got that all-round kind of team game. Yeah, Dom, I love what you said, man. Uh, I mean, Austin McNamara obviously had big shoes to fill. We talked about that one of the one of the better punters we've seen in recent memory with you last year and, and the years before. I think he's absolutely balling out. You're exactly right. Um, I'm curious, though, I, you know, I know that you still talk to people on the team. What are uh, – what are people's feelings on Wells and his staff? Uh, kind of what are you hearing from from kind of the, the close person point of view uh, from your friends on the team? Yep. So I remember I personally didn't have a great experience meeting Wells for the first time. But that's not to take away from the kind of coach he is. Um, I mean, he came in with a brand new coaching staff. And of course, you're going to get you're going to have mixed feelings when someone comes into a new ecosystem and they're trying to they're trying to change the culture from what it used to be before, especially when you're used to something for so long. So, I mean, a lot of guys, I've had 100% praise for the new, for the new, um, for the new strength stuff. I haven't heard anything about them getting their body right. They're actually, they're eating really good and getting, they're recovering well and doing all that stuff. And these right. new position coaches, I feel like, people are are on board with now and i think it took it's taking a long time for people to um get on wells side, especially since he at the start of the year he was cutting people like daily on ward and 
and Joe Wallace, which, I mean, De Leon was one of our best running backs last year, and he's putting up great numbers at SFA right now. And I think he, did, he just trimmed the fat from what he saw, what were kind of the cancers on the team, not necessarily playing, but the, the kind of people that he didn't want in, in his uh, around the facility. So, I mean, that's up to him. And people, he might get slack for that, for kind of doing that. But, I mean, everybody does things for a reason. But with my first meeting, he kind of, I think he's not the big fan, biggest fan of specialists. I don't think he really treats them as football players. So. Oh. But. Well, you know, uh, well, that's something you know, here for sure. But, you know, I, I mean, you, you have a regime that's been in the driver's seat for the past six years. You know, obviously, I, I would I would think that there's going to be some conflicting opinions. But the good news on that front is, is like you mentioned, the special teams this year have been performing at a a top national level so um and and as you know dom starting with you when we started this podcast we became the pro punting podcast yeah. of that's right football. that's right <laughs> and you know what you started that and we loved whenever i loved seeing the aussie style kicks those you know like you were saying the tricky stuff rolling out of the pocket and sending one and you know mcnamara big shoes to fill but he's done great and we've carried on being the pro punting podcast amen. of college football amen brother yeah we gotta do it Keep going. So, Dob, uh, just curious, what was your most memorable moment from your college career? Oh, it's fun. I have so many. Um, Maybe top, top, top couple. I think um, a game against Texas on uh, Thanksgiving. That was, I think, that was a big moment for us as a program. Not just. Um, I think my performance as well was probably one of the better games that I had that year. And You're damn right, Dom. I remember every minute of it. We're going up against a, a Tech team, a Mena Texas team that, I mean, it was our only chance to make a ball game. It was our last chance. And Nick Shimanek got put in a, in that last quarter and that touchdown with Cam Batson in the corner, that was just kind of the, that, that moment was kind of one of the great moments and, Doug Coleman getting, I think it was Doug Coleman that was got, got that interception. It was, uh, it was Justice Parker, wasn't it, that, that ran it back? Yeah, but it, the Ellinger had a, had a chance to, it was like with 10 seconds left, and they were driving down the oh, field. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, of course. See, what, what am I even doing? Never question Dom. That's rule number <laughs> one. Yeah, so I think that was a great moment for – for us as a program to going to that ball game as well. Um, I mean, that TCU game last year was, um, was kind of an up and down game. I mean, I guess I got some praise for that game, but I didn't even feel like that was one of my best games, but it was, it was an awesome moment to get hit those last two punts down inside the, the two yard line and get that win with Jet in his first start. Um, yeah, that was an absolute battle of a game. Yeah, that was a yeah, it was on a Friday night down in uh, Fort Worth, and then um, probably Iowa State last year. Probably not as a team, but I had I had six punts inside the inside the twenty or inside the ten, so that was like a big moment for me. <clears throat> not yeah, a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like games like that where I guess people don't expect special teams to come into play for. For big moments like that, and 
I think it really goes unnoticed sometimes about how kickers and punters can actually change the game. And I think special teams kept us in that game a lot, and we're really unlucky at the end for Bowman to get that strip sack. Well, as uh, as Coach Urban Meyer always says, field position is the gospel of the game. If you got good punting, you have good field position. That can change everything. You know, you're pinning the team deep. They can't get something started, and they come out, and they only punt it to the 50-yard line. That's getting everybody a bigger chance. That's a momentum swing. So, you know what? We're here for you. Amen. You know, Dom, we're not like everybody else. We recognize the importance of special teams. And like I said earlier, we appreciate everything you did. But, Dom, what do you want to say to Red Raider Nation moving forward? Uh, What kind of encouraging words you got for them? Just keep sticking at it. I know it might be tough sometimes and frustrating to watch. And I know sometimes when I had the best seat in the house, just go out there and punt a couple of times a game and get to watch it on the field. It's frustrating to watch too, but you just got to keep at it. I mean, tech athletics is going in an amazing direction. I mean, look at the other programs. And I think we've seen this season, even though we lost against Oklahoma by by 40 points, we saw from the double overtime weekend and, and the win against Oklahoma State that we can keep with these nationally ranked opponents and we're going to go forward and make a big statement in years to come. So. Mm, chills. I love that. And you know what, Dom? Building blocks. You know, you're part of that. We appreciate you. And I, I agree with you 100%. Texas Tech football has their brightest days ahead, man. Yeah, they really do. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And we will have you anytime you want to come back. Oh, appreciate it. I'm sure I'll get on the show another time during the season. Please awesome. do. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Raider Power Podcast. I'm Ryan, and with me as always is my man Moss and our boy Evan. How are we doing today, fellas? Doing good, Ryan. Doing good. Evan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, Tough loss, but I think there's a lot of positives to take out of this game, so let's get into it. Lots of positives, huh? Jumping right into it. Okay. Fucking A. Uh, So as you all know, Tech went down 33-30 in double overtime to Baylor this past Saturday. Uh, you know, heartbreaking loss, but a hell of a football game. Tech went into Waco for the first time in something like a decade, and they put on a hell of a show. Uh, it seemed like they had some fans that traveled out there, which was great to see, and I really thought they were going to pull it off. Unfortunately, that's not how it ended. Uh, but, you know, what's your first takeaway, boys? Evan, take it. Sure. Uh, we want to start with pros or cons or just kind of overall feeling? Overall feeling. You know, I know it was a, a, a brutal loss, and it was hard for, for Tech fans to watch. But I, as I mentioned, I think there were a lot of positives out of this game. You know, we were right in the fight to the very end in a, in a hostile environment in Waco. Um, we gave ourselves opportunities to win, um, and we were in the fight, uh, which is, to quote my man Chris Beard, that's what we always are trying to do as Texas Tech is be in the fight. Um, we came up on the wrong side. Uh, of, of the winning column th- this week, but um, I, th- I think that there's a lot of positive takeaways. Definitely some negatives, too, don't get me wrong, but we gave ourselves a chance to to steal one in Waco and just came out on the wrong side this week. That is a very good overview, Evan. Very, very genuine. I can tell that's, that's, coming, that's coming from the heart there. Uh, my thoughts on the game. A mm. L- lot, of, lot of grit from, mm. uh, from Texas Tech. A lot of fight. Like Evan said, uh, some questionable play calls, in my opinion. 
Um, I thought our offense got into a groove similar to what we saw against Oklahoma State. Some missed throws, some, uh, but some great running by Texas Tech. Uh, yeah. You know, Sir Roderick Thompson looked like an absolute beast out there, breaking tackles. I mean, he's, he's the reason that we were really in that game. And then, you know, some crazy, crazy uh, catches by our wide receivers as well, um, just showing our talent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in my opinion, and I know this might not be the same as y'all's, some questionable play calls from our head coach, but um, this is the first time in a long time that I think Texas Tech has a well-coached football team. And I was kind of a, a Matt Wells hater uh, coming into the season, but I think his discipline and uh, his mindset and just kind of the team has rallied behind the coaching staff. This seems like a well-put-together football team that can compete in the Big 12, and I think he's got things rolling in the right direction. And I'm, I'm very hopeful for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm hopeful for a bowl game, and I'm hopeful for the years coming for Texas Tech football. Now we're yeah. all buddy. We're all buddies, Chris. I got to rass you a little bit. What? The, a good coach team for the first time in a long time. Does that mean that you're backtracking a little bit on your boy Cliff? Yes, I know. Wow, I, fuck you, Chris. I, <laughs> I, I, I will say that uh, Coach Cliff Kingsbury uh, did let me down. Uh, if you, I mean, honestly, think about it. We had three NFL quarterbacks. One, the best quarterback in the NFL currently. Oh. And we weren't, and some, and we had, uh, you know, pro running backs. We've had pro tight ends, pro wide receivers that are still playing right now and showing up really big on Sundays and Mondays, Thursdays included. But we never, we didn't have a winning season. Did we have a winning season after that first season that he was there? No, I don't think so. And I saw a lot of, and a lot of games. I don't, I don't think we really had many games like this Baylor game where, you know, it seemed like a well-coached game. And the team showed up and played well on the road against a you know a good opponent, undefeated opponent, um, and and with injuries and showed up. I mean, I just I just don't think we saw that with Cliff. And I, I love Cliff, awesome guy. I'm glad he got that win uh, yesterday. Um, but I just don't. Th- I mean, he's he's a great offensive coordinator and he's got a great offensive mind. But I don't think he ever put together a well meshed team similar. Or, that we're seeing with Matt Wells and his coaching staff. I just don't think so. Well, if I can uh, hop in here. Yeah, hop here. in here, Ryan. He blew so many games. Think about it. We could have uh, – whatever. Go on. Yeah, what, what <laughs> I'll say here is this is the, the best coach defense we've ever had. Yeah. That's no for question. damn sure. The defense well, maybe not ever, up, but, but in the last decade by far. That's what I mean. I don't literally mean ever. Um, but in recent memory, this is the best defense we've had. And, I mean, Keith Patterson, I love him as a coach. I think he's great. I think he's um, great too. And, and, I mean, this defense showed up, and it showed out once again on Saturday. Um, I mean, Baylor, Charlie Brewer hadn't thrown an interception all year. He threw three against Tech, including that costly one in the end zone. Of course, Coleman came up with his sixth of the season because he might just be the best defensive back in the nation. Jesus Christ. Um, he is, no question. I mean, he's leading the numbers. In interceptions. By the he's numbers. Crazy. Uh, Jordan Brooks, he's just an absolute force on defense. A guy, once again, all over the field, clearly a defensive leader. And I have to say, I think it's just a, a lot of defensive talent right now as well. And I think that that came over with this Utah State coach. We had some transfers come in, a couple from there, a couple from other places. And, um, they, I mean, they've really had a difference. And they're definitely a, a much better defensive plan. And I'll say Cliff 
you know, defense, obviously not his strong suit. And putting together a full game plan, I mean, if you don't know half the half the side of the ball, that's going to be tough. But I'm not going to all of a sudden start backtracking and having a completely different opinion just because we saw one game out of uh, a good Texas Tech team. I mean, Cliff had great seasons. And no, maybe he, not. Did he, hey, though? <laughs> I was, on, you Ryan. let me finish. You didn't let me finish. You know, he had great seasons offensively. Yes, <laughs> and he was getting there. You know, I think I still think he's a good coach. I think that, you know, the team clearly loved him at Texas Tech. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that there was a mesh with the team. It's not like there was people chirping each other left and right. The team was well meshed then. I just think that, you know, this is a more full, complete team. And this coaching staff definitely is more well-rounded. I mean, it took I mean, it took a while for Cliff to say, hey, I need to focus more on the defense. You know, that that's true. Yeah, he said that. That's yeah, just like not, that's said, not I, head co- that's not head coaching though. That's not, you know, you're the CEO of this team. You should be overlooking all departments. Yeah, I think it was his like fourth season in. He was he admitted and and kudos to him for taking responsibility, but I mean there were there were articles out there that he didn't know some of the starters really on his defensive uh, side of the ball for the team and 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 you know that was definitely a downfall of Cliff, but um in my opinion, you know, this is this is still what you want to call it. It is a rebuilding year for Matt Wells. And in the next um, near term and especially long term, what's going to define Matt Wells as opposed to Cliff Kingsbury is his ability to recruit because Cliff yep. Kingsbury could not recruit. No, he could not. I And there's no reason why. We have some of the I best thought you facilities. Just said, uh... What about, the, those, what about all those NFL players you just talked about? Those, I mean, but but, but think high, about it. Man. He, those he are not high great, prospects. He has a great he eye for talent. How great talent was and how great that having NFL players not putting it together was. And now you're saying he couldn't get good people. Make up your mind. Okay. Right. He had a, he had a great eye for the QB position. Okay, we saw what about him those receivers and running backs and tight ends. Chris was just talking about. But, but dude, I mean, think huh? about running running back wise. I mean, hey, we've hey, had hey, we've hey, had hey, decent hey. running backs, but we haven't seen a breakout performer. Um, Cliff had an eye for quarterback because that's what he was. And and I'll give that to him. I mean, he he developed Mahomes into one of the best QBs in the nation. Um, you know, we saw him bring in Baker Mayfield, Davis Webb, um, Alan Bowman. You, you, you know, rattle off the names, but um, hmm. the entire Bowman. roster basically right now. Well, I'm talking QB, Jet, so Jet he, he, he couldn't develop the other sides of the ball like we've seen this year. Hey, hey, this is the Raider Power podcast, not the Cliff, Cliff I know, Kingsbury I know. show. I, I will I know. say I will say one more note about this. I enjoy having Matt Wells on the sideline, and I love the look of the angry dad with the hat yes, down low and the Oakley shades on more than I like the pretty boy Cliff look because – I do too. I love it, man. He looks intense on the sidelines. He, he looks look- like ang- – yeah, you're right. Angry all the time. He is fired up when there was – a call on the field. I don't even think I forget which one it was, but it wasn't even that it didn't go our way. It's that he just didn't understand what was happening. He just started walking on the field and looked yeah. pissed off. The intensity. It, it was man. great. He looks like he looks like at my dad at T ball, just Oakley shades don, hat down, so no one can recognize him. But when I'm up the bat, fully focused, ready to go. See, I guess I First just can't. Texas I, I can't understand that because in T ball, <laughs> you know, I was probably world class, probably the best in Texas, maybe even the nation. So I don't really understand. <laughs> that there, Chris. But uh, but your dad came to watch you, Water Boy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was terrible. 
I was probably the kid five years old out there chasing butterflies, not knowing <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> Ugh. Well, yeah. Well, at least you were aside. the water boy. Oh, at least you were the water boy, not the current water alkaline guru. Shout out YouTube. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all all t ball aside, plug. Um, if you want to talk pros from this game, I got to go right back to defense. I mean, in in regulation, we left only twenty points. Uh, and only you know when it came down to it, when we needed it, they made the big plays. They created the havoc, and it, it was just great to see. Uh, on the offensive side, like you guys said, running ball. So Roderick Thompson had a breakout performance, definitely the best game of his career, best numbers he's ever posted, uh, averaging over five and a half yards of carry and running over 150 and uh, really getting the big plays when we needed them. That second touchdown he had was just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, this team, they fought to the end, and I was really hoping they'd pull it off. But uh, right there at the end, we just couldn't. I hate when you have to go second – or the when you go second in overtime and yeah. then you go first in offense a second time, yeah. like the way it flips like that, that's just oh, it's just brutal sometimes. Yeah, and I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy and making that excuses, guy. but we should have won that game. You're that so guy. Terrible officiating, especially in overtime. Um, One play. You know, we could have we could have definitely put ourselves in a better position down the stretch. Uh, and not been in that position, but man, we got screwed. I'm I'm sorry, but we did. I I don't like being the the excuse giver, but we got screwed in overtime. And it, it's I'm still, if you guys can't tell, yeah. very very bitter. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they call it a, a illegal snap, but it's just a fumble. Even uh, Dean Blandino, who fucking a, I want Dean Blandino's job first off. Whenever there's something, they just call him and he tells them what he thinks. I mean, I don't know how he looked into that. He never even repped. But even he said that's a fumble uh, for it to be an illegal snap or to be a legal snap. It needs to be one fluid motion and the ball needs to leave the center's hand. Well, it was one fluid motion. The ball left the center's hand. He snapped it into his own ass. And I mean, for some reason, they called it a, a illegal snap. So, you know, I, I think obviously that's going to be a, a, a big conversation. So maybe let's even save that for for a separate segment on its own, because every tech fan in the nation that watched that game knows that that was very, very controversial. But um, rolling into the game, aside from the defense, and maybe even even more specifically, uh, let's talk about a little bit more pros, what you guys saw from the game, how we could keep building moving forward, and what you were excited about. Uh, one quick one. Uh, once again, uh, punting. Oh, Amen. incredible. Amen. Amen. I mean, his first punt 60. was 65 yards. Yeah. It was a bomb. And his second punt, McNamara pins him to the one-yard line. The kid's unreal. Oh, yeah. No, I when I was watching it, I was screaming at the TV. Just so proud of McNamara, dude. I mean, that first punt was absolutely incredible. We were pretty far down. We were like on the 30-yard line or something. We, we almost pinned them. It we was, did. It was, and it was an absolute bomb. Rolling with that on special teams, I mean, Trey Wolf does not look like a freshman out there. He, was he doesn't. For, he was he looks great. Three. 40, he looks 40 great. 40-yarder, long. He's got ice in his veins. He's he's actually really really good, and the overtime kick that the amount of pressure that must have been on him at Baylor, and he just swoops that one in there to give us the lead, to give us a chance to win that game. I mean, huge. Absolutely. Now let's talk Jet Duffy. Jet mm, missed Jet. some big throws, no mm-hmm. question about it. But did he play bad? No. No. Did he play perfect? No. no but I not. thought that he played a really complete game. And I think that I, I'm going to get some flack on that, especially with some of my close friends that I've been talking about this game with a bunch. But I thought that Jet overall 
I thought he played well. I thought he played well in Waco. Yeah, I, I would say overall he played well. Uh, they were obviously getting pressure on him, and I think he did a good job of uh, moving in the pocket and trying to avoid the pressure and sense it at times. Um, but we did see a couple of classic Jet Duffy bad decision plays. I mean, that one interception, the the defender just didn't even move. He just no. threw it to him. Which one? And, I think and there, he, probably and there he probably didn't see it. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that was He probably bad. didn't see it, and that's tough for me to – yeah. to argue but but no complete game yeah i think i think he kept us in it i mean he great completion percentage it was like 75 percent completion percentage um just a couple of mistakes that could have been costly i mean and you know our, our o-line didn't play great and i'm sitting no. there with a, a couple of my buddies and and i look at him it's our it's our first drive and i said o-line's gonna be key first snap dude gets sacked i mean a massive loss you know, right off the bat. And um, Evan, that might have to do, do with, you know, Jack Anderson being out. I think I think that's absolutely part of it. Um, you know, but but it, it's got to be next man up mentality at Tech. Um, hard to get, you know, hard haven't. for someone to, you know, fill the shoes of him at center. Yeah, I, 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 and I get that. But, but our O-line's got to play better moving forward the rest of the year. They have to. I mean, let's let's make the comparison here. Did Charlie Brewer outplay Jet Duffy? I'm going to say no. At home versus Jet Duffy on the road, Brewer had three interceptions. Duffy had two. And uh, he was 24 out of 37, uh, Charlie Brewer was. And Jet Duffy was 31 out of 42. So, No, I'm not going to say either of them like outplayed each other. I think that they both kept their teams in it. They both had some big plays, and they you know both made some mistakes. Um, Brewer's pick in the end zone was probably worse than Duffy's, but I think that also relates to our both defenses causing havoc in this one. Um, I'm not going to say either of them outplayed each other, but, I mean, uh, I think Jet did good. I didn't think he did incredible. The only, the only caveat I'd say to that is Charlie Brewer made mistakes, yes, but I feel like his was more of a um, – more of a cause from our defense causing pressure and Duffy at, at points had some wide open zero pressure throws and turnovers um, that just didn't look good. Really just one turnover that one pick whenever he had, you know, no pressure and mm. just didn't see that um, defensive player coming in. I don't remember his name from Baylor, but um, th- that's the thing we've talked about it all year. Um, when Duffy's been in the conversation is decision quality. Um, quarterbacks are always going to have a tough time when there's pressure on him. But when Duffy drops back in the pocket, he has time. He has got to make good decisions, especially moving forward. If we're just rolling with the cons here, uh, our red zone offense needs to get you know their act together. Mm, absolutely. Agreed. Too many points left out there. There should be, we yeah. should be scoring touchdowns. It was like as soon as they got into, as soon as they got into that crowded area, you know, get down to the red zone. Baylor was rushing three all game and was able to get pressure. So when they're rushing three and they're dropping eight, and you're in such a packed area, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's going to be hard to complete passes. It's going to be hard to get to that second level. And I think that kind of brings you right back down to the offensive line because if they're only rushing three on our five and they're getting in the backfield and causing pressure and they're able to drop eight, then in the red zone, you're right. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to score. You're not going to be able to move the ball. So you're going to need either the space or you're going to need the offensive line to block to wait for the time and make them send more players. Yeah, and I think Matt Wells would would no question agree with you. You know, we reached, um, you know, in the red zone in, in Baylor territory six times. 
and and we came away with 13 points yeah. out of those six times. Okay, Brutal. you know we had two field goals, we had a, a Duffy interception, Sir Roderick Thompson fumble, and then a failed fourth down conversion. We have got to be better in the red zone moving forward, no question about it. Yeah, and I mean, on the other side of the ball, I mean to go to uh, a pro, I thought our red zone defense was good um, for the most part. We held them at the end of the game. Uh, granted. Mims helped us out a lot with that fucking drop. Oh my that was God. incredible. That was he dropped. He was looking at the, he was looking at the crowd ready to celebrate before he even caught the fucking ball. And because of that, we're able to hold them at the. I mean, the most crucial part of the game. There's no way around it. That is the most crucial part of the game. They get a touchdown, they win. They get a field goal, they tie it. And Mims drops a touchdown, and we hold them to a field goal, which is, I mean, that was just incredible to see the defense have that much fortitude. Yeah, but playing Absolutely. off of that, you know, we, you know, it's they need to come down, they need to drive the field and score to win or at least tie the game. Eli Howard comes in with a huge sack on first down, pins him at like the one, and then we yep. let up a what twenty-two yard pass. I mean, that just over in the middle, and so, a couple penalties as well. Yeah, I mean that we should have held them right there. I thought we had the game wrapped up to be honest. You know, right after that, right after that sack, but uh, yeah, I mean. Good and bad, you know, our team is progressing. We're, we're, we are better at this point than I thought we were going to be. I agree. I, I agree with you. We I look like a real, you know, a real Big 12 football team right now. So, And it's, it's unfortunate when you look at the record. You know, three and three is hard to swallow. Um, I certainly think that a bowl game is absolutely attainable uh, oh, yeah. with our schedule moving forward. And, and let's hit on that in a little bit. But um, if you guys are okay, let's move on to con- – I mean, move on to pros rather – um, and for me, biggest one by far was third down conversions. Yeah, last well, week, much better than last week. That's for last sure. week was abysmal. You know, two third down conversions. You want to go back a week prior, one third down conversion against OU. This week we were eight for eighteen on third down. It might not still be great, but it was a heck of a lot better than we've seen in the last two Big Twelve games. Yeah, 100% I mean, you're, agree you're touching there. right on it. That's one of our biggest things, especially because we weren't getting such explosive plays through the air um, this time around. So those third down, those third down conversions on the road were, were needed to keep us in this game. I mean, it was it was great because uh, you're right. Going into it, whenever we were in these third down situations, I start to get nervous because I mean, historically this season haven't been great. But the fact of the matter is, not only did they convert eight. But I think five of those eight were over 10 yards. Those were long third downs they were converting. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was just pound the ball forward, get a yard or two. Uh, Duffy was having to make plays, and we were having to do something for that. And I think to that, let's crack a cold one. I can do that. All right. Woo! Cracking a cold one to figuring out third down conversions. Because <laughs> if we can keep that going forward, that is a huge part of the game. It's what keeps the drive going and what gives us a chance to score and, you know, keeps our defense off the field, let them get a breather. Because when you go a quick three and out, that defense has to turn right back around and get in the field. That's what's asking for the other team to score. I mean, the pros, in my opinion, I mean, it's going to be kind of vague, but just the fight of this team. Uh, this was an emotional, emotional game. The swings in, uh, in who's winning and who's losing, going to overtime. That huge catch by Vasher in the first overtime to the, you know, the, the stupid missed illegal snap fumble that should have, you know, that was whatever. They had to get over that, you know, just the fight of the team 
just, you know, another ranked opponent. This one on the road. They were there to play. Matt Wells had them ready. You know, Jet Duffy had a, you know, a really challenging game. It was just, I really just enjoyed watching this. I loved, I loved seeing the fight um, out of Texas Tech. I just, for some reason, this is the first time in a long time that I'm, like, proud of our football team. It's It's been a while for me, to be honest. It, I mean, I, I loved watching Texas Tech under Cliff because it was exciting, but I feel like we've got, I feel like we're, uh, you know, a, uh, affordable op- opponent to really anyone in the country oh, right now what about last year when we were five and one yeah i was we were jazzed up right was, then chris come on i was pretty jazzed up but i mean just it, it went from being super jazzed up to okay what i'm saying ryan then is, went to the depth of ryan, depression yeah. ryan, ryan i think this i think this coaching staff has you know developed a culture it's de- developing a culture that is built to last okay so i think i think a little bit more of a a steady, a steady growth versus you know up such big ups and downs. I think oh, I no. said, yeah. I think I said wh- when we first started this podcast, watching Texas Tech was like having a heart attack because your heart yeah, rate's no, going 100%. up and going down. And I think this is more of a steady, you, you know, your heart just continues beating. I think, I think everything is kind of stable with this team. And I think that's what, oh, yeah. I think I'm, that's what Matt I'm, Wells is bringing to the table. A, yeah, a he, strong dad figure. A strong, in-the-home dad figure. Oakley's on. He's got six pairs of Oakley's ready to go. That's right. How fast was he going when he bought those? (laughs) That boy boy is driving an old Mustang SS fastback. He's going going real light speed. You're right. Uh, He definitely brings stability, and you're right. But every other, like last year, year before, every game going into it, uh, I was uh, always more nervous than anything else. Just like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen in this game? And now you're right. It's it's a lot more stability. It's a lot more like subtle confidence of I think we can pull this out. I think we can beat two ranked opponents in a row. And before it was like, fuck. I hope Mahomes throws for 700 yards. <laughs> well, let's let's go back to let's go back to the idea of fight. If I can pinpoint the biggest change culturally based on this coaching staff as opposed to the past six years with Cliff. It's the ability to respond to adversity. We come off of a disappointing loss to Arizona where we did not look good. We go on the road in Norman and just get embarrassed by OU. I mean, OU is an awesome team. I think there's no question um, that they have a good shot to go to the the football playoffs and potentially win it. But, you know, Matt Wells responds with a huge win at home against Oklahoma State. We go on the road for a consecutive game against a ranked opponent at Baylor. We're in the fight the whole time. We're there, a nail-biter end. I mean, we had a chance to win it. Matt Wells has this program in, in a position that, you know, if 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 the cards don't fall our way, we're going to be right back in it the following week. And that that's the first time I've felt that in uh, really since Leach, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I agree with some- you. Yeah, agreed. And something else you said there about, you know, a big win at home. I think Matt Wells has done a really good job of emphasizing the importance of playing at home. He talks a lot about the Jones, how special it is. Talks a lot about, you know, getting the fans out there and getting the team riled up to have big home wins. And when I look at the schedule going forward, like our three, three of the biggest games that we have are at home. Iowa State, TCU and Kansas State. We're home for all three of those. We're on the road. For Kansas and West Virginia, and in this five-game stretch, if we protect the Jones like well said, it look I think we're going bowling. Oh yeah, I think so too. We're going bowling, man. You well, know, there's no question. We went we went three games games at home 
we got six wins and we're going. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's he's taking that right out. Yeah, he's taking that right out of uh, you know Chris Beard's playbook. How Chris Mm -hmm. Beard for years was saying, you know, this is United Spirits Arena. Uh, This is our home. We got to protect our home. Fans show up. Free pizza for everyone at the door. (laughs) I'm giving away hats. I'm going to be doing wedding ceremonies if this gets you know if there's 4,200 extra students, (laughs) you know. He's taking it. He's these two. These two father figures. You know, they're just stability. It's seven p.m. You come home. Dad's there at the table. It's you're having hamburgers and you know roasted potatoes for dinner. He's cracking hey, a core. He's cracking a core's light. Where's Cliff? We don't know. He's probably at the club in Vegas gambling. Hey, hey, Chris. Gambling <laughs> the mortgage uh, payment. But guess what? He made four mil a year, so you're good. You keep talking about how uh, you need these strong father figures. Is everything okay at home? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Doctor Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everything is fine at home. So hey, thank, listen, thank, let's thank not for forget asking. it. Thank you let's for not asking. forget it. Chris Beard is a man of his word. We got three games at home. We protect the Jones the rest of the way. He's putting on a block party in Lubbock, Texas. He ah. said if we go undefeated at home, he's hosting a block party in Lubbock, Texas, and you better believe I'm going to be there. And I hope <laughs> to see you fellows there too. What do you think Chris Beard's bringing to that party? Coors Light, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Coors Light and a and a and a you know probably fully some, aired up basketball. I'll show them what's some, up. Yeah, probably some film for them to watch. You know, <laughs> you know, it would also is a big culture change. Is when Cliff was there, we get the Oakley sponsor. You know, for the sunglasses, Cliff goes out of his way to get the Oakley Wayfarers, like the Ray Bans. Uh uh-uh. uh Matt Wells fast. He's going speedy. Yeah, that's that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I like. You, you love these shades. Dude. I do. You know why? Because I grew up with my dad wearing them too. Wow. Well, <laughs> come right back to the dad thing. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, I think uh, we've uh, had some good talk that's positive. So let's talk about something really negative and talk mm. about that missed call. Yeah. Well, let's. Just, Ooh, that let's one's going to sting for a long time, man. Let's just get this out there and say that the Big 12 has realized their screw up and they're doing something about it. I don't know what it is internally, but they they've recognized that they you know made the wrong call there. And I don't want to be the guy that says you know Big 12 refs um, you know crying about it, but they <laughs> all season they have been mediocre Trash. at best. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. I mean. And, and for the game to be down to the wire like that when there is a blatant missed call that would have changed the fortunes of the game, more than likely, that's just a tough one to swallow, you know. And I was happy to see the uh, the admittance there that it was the wrong call, but does us a hell of a lot of good, you know. We still nothing. lost the game. And, um, what, there's you know, an asterisk on that? No. You know, moving, well, just moving forward, you, you hope to see them make the right calls um, because – yeah, I would. I wouldn't even want that for Baylor. If we won the game that way, oh. I wouldn't. I mean, I'd be happy, but <laughs> I. I would understand. Like, I'd be. I'd be upset for Baylor too. You know, like if the if the script is flipped, like that's just a that's just a bad way to lose a football game. It yeah, really yeah, is. You are that guy because what I'm hoping is that the Big Twelve has realized their mistake, and if this happens in the future, and Texas Tech does the same thing, we're still get we're getting the right call. We're we're getting yeah. it our way. Chris they always won. Call. They always yeah. won. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. I, it's it's a shitty way to lose a game. It's a it's not great way to win a game. But I'm sure the Baylor fans at home are saying, "Fuck it, we won." Um, it, it does suck though, because you know if that's no. a fumble, then all we need is a field goal and the game's over in in that first overtime. They are you know, my boy Trey Wolf is drilling it right down the yeah. middle too. 
Dre Wolf's got ice in his blood. He's fucking draining that. The the Baylor uh, fans, Ryan, are not saying they're saying, gosh darn it. That's what they're saying. They're not saying fuck. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, I, that's, that, I, I know that was the ongoing Baylor, joke right? in college is that after a big win in Baylor, the only blacking out happening in Waco is turning off the lights. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> also buying themselves, you know, a big uh, pitcher of milk at the bar. <laughs> Maybe chocolate. Maybe chocolate. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know this uh, Baylor stereotype. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they're losers. <laughs> well, all right. Let's, oh, uh, what? They make questionable decisions, uh, some of those guys in the teams as well. Yeah, by going. Oh! Hey! There it is. That's there what happens is. when you drink too much milk, bro. It can, it can make you go crazy. <laughs> make it go there. crazy, boy. <laughs> Woo! Uh, all right. Well, let's let's think about this. Moving forward, we got Iowa State at home. A huge game. Homecoming game. Dub. I'll, I'll be there losing my mind, screaming my head off at 11 a.m. next Saturday. What do you guys think we need to do to take one at home? Well, I'm going to say one thing that you need to do is get a press pass, but I don't know if you applied for that yet. Hey, I thought we were making it happen. I, I thought that was y'all's, y'all's deal. I sit back. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you're, you're just talent? All right. I got two talent boys. I'll, I'll, I'll send an email. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what um, we need to do to protect the Jones – uh, stop. Not... Uh, well, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were asking me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I just watched their highlights. I didn't really watch that game. But we need to stop the rushing attack big time because it seems like Iowa State is really, really heavily relying on their rushing attack uh, to set up Brock. So, you know, that's a pretty vague thing to say on defense. But, you know, stop the rushing attack and uh, let's get it going. Yeah, uh, Brock has kind of shown he's got some legs this year. Yeah. You know, he's been he's been doing it on both sides of the ball. Um, he honestly hasn't been as good as I expected him to be. Uh, as a true fr- or as a freshman last year, uh, he really impressed me. I thought he was a great talent. Uh, it was an incredible first season at Iowa State. Granted, he had two NFL caliber uh, players going with him with his wide receiver and his running back. True. That's going to help you when you got Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And Montgomery's setting up everything by running for fucking eight yards of carry and breaking every tackle that ever happens in college. But Brock this year hasn't been overwhelming. Um, you're right. Their rushing game has been kind of setting everything up once again. And if I have one key not to, to you know beat a broken drum, but it's causing havoc in the backfield again. If we can get these tackles for losses to start drop, uh, the start drives, make them have to play from deep and get pressure on the quarterback, the Brock's going to make mistakes, and this secondary is going to take advantage of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, Ryan, I agree with you. And if I can give you my key to the game, and I'm going to knock on a little wood here, but with the exception of Oklahoma and going up against a potential, likely, might I say, top three Heisman finisher with Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, that offense is just so potent. Everyone in the nation is going to struggle with OU. But um, throughout the, the rest of the season, our defense has consistently given us a chance to win. But our mm. offense just hasn't been there as much as they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, again, go back to, to Leech, the Leach era, even the beginning of the Leach era. Who would have thought that our defense is carrying this team? Not me. Nope. Um, but they're doing it this year. And so – um, yep. Duffy's not playing bad, but he's got to connect with those opportunities when he's not under pressure, make those big throws. And our offense has got 
got to step up and be complimentary to what our defense has given us. Evan, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when the, that year in 2008, and I hate, you know, it seems like I'm always talking about it, and it seems like every Tech fan is always talking about the year in 2008, but our defense wasn't, what were we, top 40? Top 50 in the country? I mean, it's not like we were anything crazy, but we were, you know, we were good. We were, you know, we were a pretty good defense, and we kept ourselves in the game. And we had a great offense. We're just missing that one component right now and to really propel Tech to that next level. But we're, we're close, man. I think we're really close. I think the development of our team in the upcoming weeks, we're going to see, you know, Tech fly a little bit. Yeah, I and agree. We saw, and I, we saw a little bit in the Oklahoma State game. I think we saw glimpses of what Tech can be. Well, and, the, the, these past two games, I think that Yost has called a much better game yeah. offensively than against Arizona and Oklahoma. But just a quick little derail segue here. Opinions on the fourth and two going for it in Baylor territory. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And why? Oh, my God. I hated it. I hated it so much. I was screaming after a few Coors Lights at this uh, one TV in this bar in L.A. Um, where everyone there was showing up for the LSU game. But I was going absolutely berserk. Why wouldn't you kick the f- field goal to make it a one-possession game? I just don't. It doesn't make so, any sense to me. Ryan, so for, go ahead. For me, on the other side of that, you know, it would have been a long field goal. Um, it would have been one of the longest of, of – I know Wolf was great. But the way I see it, that was a full-blown momentum play. We were driving. Uh, kind of everything was going our way at that point. And I thought that that was the right call. Um, I thought it – I thought he – I mean, it was a good play call too. They ran the slant, quick slant. He was wide open. Jet tries to get it to him. And their guy, Lynch, their defensive lineman, jumped up and swatted it down. And he only, I mean, still almost made the catch. But I think it was the right play call. I liked it uh, momentum-wise. Granted, it's a massive shift in the game because when you don't get that on the other side of things, then they get the ball, they have all the momentum, and they drove down the field immediately mm-hmm. following it. But I liked the call. And, I mean, fake field goals, I'm not with. But ah. going forward on fourth and short in a situation like that, sign me up. I'm going to have to agree with Ryan on this one, Chris. And, wow. and the reason being is because um, I like the aggressive play where we were at in the field, as as Ryan pointed to, uh, with a potential long field goal. But also, hindsight 2020 is, is just a really tough deal, you know. But you can't play the game of what ifs. What if, you know, this field goal could put us up uh, and avoid an overtime um, I thought that Matt Wells made the right call. Uh, he, he played aggressive, and I thought that where we were at in the game, um, that, that I was okay with it. We, we ended up on the wrong side of it, obviously, but I was happy with the aggressive play call. Um, and with that particular instance, I would stand behind Matt Wells most times. Most times. All right, I got a question for you. Okay, why aren't we going for two with the opportunity to win the ball game? That uh, okay. If you like that's the a, aggressive play calls, huh? I would have liked it. That's a little. That's a little tougher, Chris. Because I, okay, mm. think about where we were at in the game when we went for it on fourth. Okay, risk versus reward. Think about the exponentially more risky play to go for it on two, um, in the late stages of the game as opposed to try to try to get us a first down on fourth and two. Uh, you know, football is a game of analytics. You know, Matt Wells didn't make that call by himself. He had 10 people in his ear saying, here's what we should do. 
Uh, and I'm not trying to bail him out for anything, but if you want to look at it mathematically, analytically, whatever you want to call it, the risk was so, so high if you went for it uh, and tried to go for two late in the game there. So where I have to say on that is, yeah, there's analytics, there's whatever, there's someone in your ear. But in the end, you know, it's got to be the head coach's call and something like that. And the way we got that touchdown, you know, it took an unbelievable catch by Vasher. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it's deep in the game. We got to mm-hmm. send our offense right back out there. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see them go for two there. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see it. Uh, analytics, whatever. I think going for two is something like over 50%, like 52% success rate. It's something really close to that. But I would have loved to see just a, a gutsy call and saying, let's go for it. However, you know, the defense had played great. So to say let's not even give our defense a chance is is something. But I would have been on the side of, fuck it, let's do it. But, but on the, the road. In a the part of it, too, though, Chris, yeah. is that think go about it. it. We just had an incredible touchdown from TJ Basher. The momentum's completely on our side. Exactly. So let's do it again. <laughs> we, we, we know that we're getting the ball back. It didn't work out in our favor, but but the game of momentum, you know, we, we had it. And so we there's, played a little con- conservative some- right there with taking the points. Um, and, and personally, I like the call. There is something to be said about, like, it is overtime and we are on the road. And that is a chance to win the game. Granted, it's a you either win or you lose play. But you have the chance to win the game in the overtime. And to say, like, f- like you know, we think we can do this again in a second overtime on the road. That's going to be tough all the time. It's always going to be tough. College overtime, I love the setup, but it's it can be brutal uh, for the road team and someone that has to go twice in a row on offense when they just saw what you called. So I would have I, – I still lean in that situation. I want to go for it. Go for it. You know you know, Matt Wells got some big old plums, man. He's uh, he's ready to go. I think they should have punched that in. And, hey, uh, or at why least don't you try. your fake field goal there, bro? <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was actually, again, I was screaming at the TV because a couple of times I thought it was going to do it. I was freaking out. But um, to segue back on to next week, because I think that's where we were, um, to, to kind of go back on what we need to do again, I mean, this leans right into that is play calling. And on the defensive side of the ball, doing the same type of strategy we have. Because I was just looking at something, and five out of our six games, we shut out, shut out the opponent in the first quarter. The only team to score on us in the first quarter is Oklahoma. So if we do that again defensively and our offense can have a spark in the first quarter, get us out to an early lead, I love playing with a lead at home. And, you know, at home, that's when you can do plays like that. On the road, be more aggressive. I agree with you, Ryan, 100%. That's fair, Ryan. Okay, let's do this, boys. Um, We are 3-3. and we got to get to six wins for, for bowl eligibility. We know that. Let's look at the remainder of our schedule, okay? Um, we got Iowa State at home next week. Then we go on the road to Kansas, on the road to West Virginia, TCU at home, Kansas State at home, and then Texas on the road, okay? I'm a realist. I'm not saying that it's likely what's supposed to happen. Well, it is likely based on the stats, but let's let's count UT as a loss, okay? Well, We have – no, 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 no. I'm just saying for the purposes of this, for the purposes of this – Let's say that we lose to UT in the last game of the season. We got Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas State. Okay? Which games give us the best chance to go into the postseason? Um, I mean, Kansas and Kansas should be a win. Let's 
let's just yep. get that out of the way. That's one. Boom. Right. Um, and then I'm looking at home games next. Uh, TCU, Kansas State. They're going to be tough games, but TCU especially, I think at home, we should be able to take down TCU. Uh, I like us at home, so Kansas State is going to be a tough one. I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, you look at the Iowa State game. If I, if completely honest, if we lose this Iowa State game, that could be an absolute tumble. If we can beat Iowa State at home, I think that puts us on like a four-game winning streak. Boys, I agree. I think we win out totally. I think I think we win every single game left on the schedule. I I don't see Love an issue that. here. I don't see an issue here. Uh, we got Iowa State here at home on Saturday. Dub Kansas on the road. Dub West Virginia on the road. Dub TCU at home. Dub Kansas State. Dub at Texas. Big time game. You don't think Coach Wells is ready for that environment? Hell, oh heck yeah, man! Oh my God, Coach Wells has been just dreaming of beating the Longhorns at home. Oh my God, he's gonna be ready. That's gonna be the biggest you, game of his career. If Wells gonna, comes out with a, he's gonna he's gonna win season. out, boy. If Wells gets a nine and three season capped off with a road win at Texas, good lord, will I change my tune on everything he's ever done? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listen. I'm going to go as far to say that if we protect the Jones next week against Iowa State, there is no question in my mind that we go bowling this year. Agreed. Yes, sir. I think if if we protect the Jones against Iowa State, we go 8-4, and four, or as Chris said, 9-3. and three. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree with you. Well, you know, I think that we can hit on some of the other segments that we typically do maybe next week. You know, we've had a lot to dissect in this game. Uh, previously, so what do you say that we wrap this one up, boys? Sounds good to me, brother. Uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Chris. And I'm Evan. And this has been the Raider Power Podcast. Guns up, fellas. Guns up. Guns up, baby!